Hi everyone! Glad to see you back for another episode of the Smile Project podcast, a podcast brought to you by School of Dentistry. I am you. We hope this podcast enhances your knowledge in dentistry and also life as a whole. My name is Rikan, and alongside me, Aruna, we will be your hosts for today's episode. In this episode, we have an extraordinary guest with us, and let us have him introduce himself. Thank you. That you're so kind. Uh, it's uh, I'm Steve Rosenstiel. I'm prof of uh, prosthodontics at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, United States. I'm also the author of textbook Contemporary Fixed Prosthodontics. I think it's is popular in Malaysia, so it's my joy to uh, meet the students at IMU and uh, visit for my first trip to Malaysia. I've been external examiner at Singapore in years past, but I've never been to Malaysia. I've been to Thailand, been to Cambodia, uh, Laos, but not uh, not Malaysia. So I was so <laughs> glad to be here. I don't. Uh, I didn't want to do any virtual meetings. I wanted to be here in person, meet the students and the faculty in person, and just uh, we've had a wonderful visit. My wife is here too. I was. Uh, uh, Honored to be invited to present at the conference and uh, record my thoughts on, <laughs> on this on this podcast for you. So uh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our trip. And thank you. It's really it's so nice to have you here in Malaysia and in person, especially too. Thank you so much for making the journey all the way here. And it is a long way, so we don't have to. Set our clocks because it's the at the moment in uh, in Kuala Lumpur it's eleven o'clock in the morning and it's eleven o'clock at night in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so we don't even have to change the time. And I can travel from Ohio. I could. Uh, we came uh, west, so we went through uh, Tokyo and then Kuala Lumpur. But we could have gone east and gone through Doha or somewhere and uh, it's, it's the same distance. So we're so far away and yet what we teach and what we learn is so similar because it's a, it's a, the dental world is a small, is a small world. So yes, I feel yes. like I, I can connect with the dental students in, in at IMU just as easily as at, at Ohio State University in Columbus. Yes, prom. So let's start off with our first question. Okay. I'm sure you've had this question like thrown at you multiple times, but what inspired you to specialize in prosthodontics? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I graduated dental school in England. I'm originally from England, from London, and I graduated from Birmingham University many, many years ago. So next year, we're gonna have our 50th uh, reunion of our dental school class. I graduated in 1973. Um, so then I did a house job and uh, a year of private practice in England, NHS practice. Um, but I always enjoyed uh, fixed prosthodontics. So I enjoyed Crown and Bridge. In those days, we made gold inlays and so on. Some of my, some of my patients that I made those restorations for, they still have the same restorations. Those those gold restorations last forever. So I enjoyed uh, fixed prosthodontics. My father was a prof at dental school, and uh, you know, way, way, way back. And uh, yeah, he encouraged me to study in the United States. The uh, 
the level of uh, what was available was greater in the United States than in UK at that time, a long time ago. So I studied at Indiana University, uh, did the prosthodontic program there. I taught at the University of Florida for three years and then I was back in England and I taught at King's College England. Uh, but I mean, it was, you know, I love the research, uh, I, I love the academics. And it was hard at that time to get funding for research in England. And I had good friends in the United States. They encouraged me to move back. So I moved to Ohio State in 1985. I've mm -hmm. been there ever since. I'm retired uh, from academics, but I still practice. So one day a week, I practice in the, in the faculty practice. Um, and then I edit the Journal of um, the, the General of Prosthetic Dentistry, that's uh, I'm editor-in-chief of that, so that's a great job. I can do that from anywhere, everything's online. So I can uh, edit the articles on the plane or in my hotel room in Kuala Lumpur, you know, so it keeps me, keeps me busy. My wife, uh, Enid, she helps me edit the, the articles, get the English as understandable as possible because all our authors, most of our authors come, you know, they come from all over the world. They're not just American authors. So some of them need quite a lot of help with the English language. Yeah. And when, when you say you enjoy uh, prosthodontics and you did mention about the academia, um, academics and research, but what about the practice, pra you know, when we it. are when when we are students, like we can't really connect to the <laughs> research. But so yeah, yeah. So I think what it it's it's hard precise work, you know, to prepare the teeth. When I did prosthetics, we also did the laboratory work. Um, so for many years, I did all that made all the metal ceramic crowns that we were making at that time, you know, until I got too busy in academics and administration and because now I, uh, I, I uh, use the services of great, a great dental laboratory. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's something you learn how to be excellent at tooth preparation just takes practice. You need a, a teacher that says, yeah, that's okay, but you could do better than that. You know, it's like a coach that to encourage you to achieve uh, like any skill, like playing playing the piano or playing tennis or, you know, whatever. You, it doesn't come the first time you try it. And same with prosthodontics. It's yeah. not something you pick up mm -hmm. without some uh, practice and repetition and and uh, having high standards. Yeah. Uh, but the patients certainly benef benefit if, you're, if their dentist is a very meticulous uh, dentist that's very careful with their care and they'll provide them with restorations that will last last oh. a lifetime. That's the goal. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that answer. I think we have another question. Yes, Prof. Actually, how did you actually get into the idea of writing a textbook? Whoa, that's a great question. So the our textbook, Contemporary Personalities Now, we just published our sixth edition. So first edition came out in 1988. That's a long time. Um, <laughs> and through interaction for going to meetings, so actual attendance at meetings, not virtual meetings, you know, I met up with uh, one of the publishers at the Mosby Company that was our publisher. And she had some problems with some of the books uh, that she was editing, working on, and you know, I kind of helped her with that 
process and gave us some advice and you know and then they were looking for a new fixed prosthodontic book because they they no longer Tillman was the popular book at that time and that and Tillman was out of date and people didn't want to revise it and so on so they were looking for a fixed prosthodontic so kind of they asked me you know do you know who would be a good author for fixed prosthodontics I said I can do that no problem <laughs> and my Co-authors were all Indiana-trained prosthodontists. So Dr. Martin Land was my classmate, and Dr. Junhei Fujimoto from Japan. He he was one year ahead, and then we all taught together at University of Florida um, at that time. So when I started the book, I was back in England, but we, you know, we taught together uh, and essentially divided up the task. But yeah, it's a it's a lot of work writing writing yeah. a book, and we tried to do it all rather than just have contributors. You know, we tried to have a consistent style to the book. Uh, we had great illustrator that she's still uh, still doing the illustrations with the the, very, the half tone pictures. They they're just beautiful yeah. illustrations. And your book really did help <laughs> a lot of students. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, and the new edition is uh, so much, uh, you know, so much new information with the CAD CAM and all the digital yeah. dentistry. Um, so we now have a, a new third author, Bob Walter from um, California, Loma Linda, California, and he's contributed so much in the virtual patient and this modern uh, technology to help dentists provide the best possible treatment for their for their patients yeah thank you thank you so much for writing this book so that we can really learn about um, fixed prosthodontics in this you know in this day and age in the first edition yeah. we didn't even have dental implants in the book i mean they were available but they were you know it wasn't yeah. mainstream then so yeah it's all all uh, new since <laughs> <laughs> okay all right and um, writing your book I'm sure you faced challenges you know writing your book um, can you just tell us maybe one or two <laughs> well I think I mean writing articles writing letters you know writing any, any writing the challenges the blank sheet of paper you know so my advice to young authors, researchers is, you know, just put something down. Don't worry, it doesn't have to be perfect first time. Um, so, you know, writer's block is when you can't uh, finish yeah. the, you know, just get things started. Yeah. Um, so just part, go through that, right, yeah. right that. So when you're writing an academic paper, my advice is to start with the methods and the materials, because you know that if you've done some research, you kind of, that almost writes itself. Mm -hmm. And then don't worry about the introduction and the conclusion <laughs> until, you know, until after. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it can be hard to, to write. Now, we're, you know, with our revisions, you're, there's less text that's absolutely brand new. I mean, a lot of it is just revising, updating, getting new, uh, the new concepts down on paper. But, mm. And talking about your challenges, so now let's talk about what are your best memories when you wrote this book, or when you're writing anything. Well, there's, there's so much pride when you see, <laughs> and when 
you know, when you see the, the published book, I mean, that's, that's a celebration. With our first edition, we were in Chicago. We met up with our publishers and uh, uh, my co-author from, came, was, we came over from Japan. We went to the top of the Hancock Building, one of the tallest buildings in Chicago. Had a, uh, had a Dom Perignon, which is a, a nice uh, champagne, <laughs> and celebrated that textbook. So uh, now with, uh, it's all online. We haven't uh, met up with <laughs> publishers to celebrate yet uh, our sixth edition, but we're very proud. Yes, yeah. And then when I travel, people know who I am often because they've used the book. So when I go <laughs> to India, it's a very popular book in India. So yeah, I'm a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are a rock star. <laughs> Speaking of changes with time, um, you said you've made revisions to the book and now there's a sixth edition. So how do you actually keep your book relevant with time? Right, that's, that's a hard question. So you, um, I mean, the hardest part is often to eliminate the obsolete material, you know, because you don't want the book just to get thicker and thicker. There's so much new information. You, you have to remove obsolete, but then, you know, there's some things that were once done that are rarely done today, but there's some, you know, they're sometimes done. So in my practice, most of my practice is ceramics. You know, there's not an implants, there's not much gold. But, you know, gold provides such a wonderful restoration that you don't want to eliminate it from your practice. And then if it's not, how do you learn it if it's not uh, documented in a book? So we try to keep, you know, some of the things that are rarely done, but could provide, you know, benefit. And if they're done well, uh, provide a wonderful service to patients and just condense, you know, to have an outline rather than step-by-step -step detail. But it's a, it's a challenge to keep the book. It's yeah. thick, but it could be a lot thicker if we didn't eliminate yeah. obsolete stuff. Yeah. So we, my co-authors and I debate that for sure. All right. So, Prof. Rosen Steele, we have a couple of questions from some prosthodontists across some schools from Malaysia. Okay. So. They want to know, what is your opinion about biologically orientated preparation technique or vertiprep in contrast to the long to the horizontal finish line design, shoulder or chamfer, which we have been using for so long? Do you think finish line designs may change with time? Yeah, that's a great question. So in the general prosthetic dentistry, we've published some nice clinical trials where um, they've got good outcomes for the it's like a, 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 a shoulderless preparation. Um, the problem you can have, there's a translation from a clinical trial to, uh, to private practice. Um, you know, some clinical trial tests, um, the, the, typically there's a lot of inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria. Um, you know, there's in private practice that you, would ex you wouldn't expect the performance that you get in a clinical trial. That, go, that goes across the board. You know, the, the, the steps are closely monitored and the patients are carefully chosen. So you can get better outcomes in a clinical trial than you would expect in your own practice. So you have to be careful of that. If you want to switch from the, the uh, traditional way to prepare teeth 
um, to the to the biologically oriented preparations. You know, there there might be consequences for the patient. The other thing is that the 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 uh, traditional way has been documented a long time, and the outcomes are very good for fixed prosthodontics. So if the procedures are done well, we get good outcomes. You know, so you don't want to throw that away in your practice. Uh, so in my practice, I'm doing con the uh, traditional preparations, um, but. Uh, yeah, I certainly wouldn't argue with someone that yeah. prefers the the biologically oriented preparation. I'm not sure it's mm. really biologic, uh, <laughs> logically anymore. But but uh, yeah, we're always looking for improvements. We're looking to advance mm. what's done, and yeah, and that's one thing that we've introduced in our new edition. So we we uh, try to teach all, all aspects that have, that have been shown to be. Uh, suitable for private practice yeah yeah thank you so much for your answer on that so question. we have another question okay. from the dentists. <laughs> they are eager to know yeah so do you feel is there a need to standardize the amount of tooth preparation for newer forms of crown materials like emacs and zirconia because different articles and clinicians follow different measurements yeah that's i mean I think that obviously the stronger the material, the thinner it can be and still be successful. Um, in terms of avoiding damage to the tooth, it's the axial reduction that is important rather than the occlusal reduction. And typically the computer programs, they won't, you know, the very thin occlusal uh, reduction, at least for crowns, you know, that is perhaps not suitable. When you're talking about bonded restorations, you always have very much better bonding to enamel than to dentin. Whether it's a facial veneer, or if you want to keep it in an enamel, if, or if it's an occlusal veneer, uh, you want to keep it in enamel. So, the, so if you advocate increased tooth reduction, you're going to lose the enamel. So if you're doing restorations to establish new biting, you know, new occlusal planes, um, then yeah, if you can bond, if, if they're bonded restorations, Emacs or uh, zirconia, you want to bond to enamel. You're going to have better longevity for sure. Um, and then the bonded restorations tend to be harder to fracture. So you know, thin bonded restorations seem to do, you know, whether it's Emacs or whether it's Zirconia, they seem to do very, very well. Um, so yeah, those, those are great questions. I don't think anyone has 100% uh, answers, you know, in telling us what, what to do. If you're, if you're doing a crown, if you're doing a veneer, mm -hmm. um, onlay, inlay, yeah, the different, different requirements. So all areas of where research can be useful to us, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for okay. your answer on that. So from, from when you were practicing dentistry... I still practice uh, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was from when you last started. Thursday. <laughs> last Thursday, yeah. From when you started and when you're currently yeah. practicing dentistry, um, how has technology changed in the yeah. field of 
prosthodontics? Um, yeah, I mean, the first huge change was dental implants. You know, so now we do very few pontics, you know, very few tooth-supported uh, fixed partial dentures. Um, we, we still do, and some patients don't want the surgery. Uh, some, the, the delays involved, we do quite a bit of immediate loading, but most of our implant-supported restorations, there's, there's delayed loading. So it, it's a, it takes quite a long time. Patients complain, uh, you know, they're, they're with interim restorations. But in general, I'm no longer doing metal ceramics, except for implant crowns or for fixed partial dentures. Um, I'm no longer doing fixed, much, many fixed partial dentures. So it's mainly implant crowns, implant fixed partial dentures, and uh, single crowns, it's all ceramic. So big change, yeah. We used to be all metal ceramic, you know, but not anymore. Also, Prof, I... I'm just a second year dental student. I'm oh, very new I'm starting, to prosthodontics. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm just starting. So I'm very new to prosthodontics. So what advice would you give to someone like me in the younger generation of dental professionals? And also a follow-up question to that. What is one thing that you would advise your younger self? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I don't place implants. So in, when I, in my training... Um, it was dual specialty. So the prosthodontist restored the implants, the oral surgeon or periodontist placed the implants. Now in the prosthodontic training, it's placement and restoration. Not, you know, when the, once the treatment, I mean, it's always depends on what's, what's involved. So most prosthodontists now, younger prosthodontists, they'll place implants, but in the more straightforward cases, you know, so once the, there's a, a grafting and so on involved, they, they won't uh, place those. So they work closely with their specialist colleagues too. Um, if I were a general dentist, I'd learn uh, the implant placement, I think, you know, that offer that service. Uh, you know, there's a lot of training to get expert at that, but I think it's a big part of dentistry today. And I certainly encourage you to, you know, to try to get the surgical side as well as the restorative side um, trained. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you for the advice. But... And then, and I thought, I think I'll also come to Malaysia as a younger, as, <laughs> as it's such a beautiful country, <laughs> nice people. What, what's your so? What's your favorite food? In Malaysia so far, have you have you gotten? So I like spicy food, but my wife doesn't like spicy food, (laughs) so we have to compromise on on that. But yeah, I like seafood, uh, shrimp, uh, prawn, right? Prawn, yeah, I love love that. So we had um, baba baba food, yeah, 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 in Malacca, and uh, that was that was gorgeous. You wonderful, wonderful food. (laughs) You can tell I'm kind of hefty guy, you know. So <laughs> I enjoy my food. So. <laughs> well, we'd love for you to come back more often. Anytime, yeah. I always, and I say I don't want to do any more online presentations. <laughs> I, I just find them no, so not very rewarding. I like to meet people and like to visit countries. Yeah. All right. So I think we've come to the end. Okay. okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Prof. Uh, Prof. Rosenstil. We would really love to have you back 
in IMU, anytime. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, anytime. anytime. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you for being so warm oh, and so. Right. Your you. answers have all been so. They've been all so comprehensive, and really, um, even the questions that we got from our professor on this, I think you really, you. really did justice. Thanks you for so having me. Okay. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Smile Project Podcast. If you want to follow us, you can follow our social media pages at the Smile Project IMU on Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Rika, your host for today. And thanks for tuning in. See you in the next one. Bye.